you're looking for a, a discount new vehicle option, uh, you're just not going to find many of them in the new market. But in the used market, I do think prices are going to continue to fall. Welcome to Wealthion. I'm Wealthion founder Adam Taggart. Car prices went bananas after COVID hit. Propelled by inventory shortages from disrupted supply chains and the unprecedented stimulus sent to businesses and households. Now, here at the end of 2022, the boom may be ending. Used car prices, which went up more than 50% post-COVID, have fallen for much of this year, though they still remain much higher than their pre-pandemic levels. Also, lax lending standards and extending auto loans during the recent boom are coming back to bite lenders. The percentage of loans that are at least 60 days delinquent hit its highest rate of delinquency in more than a decade recently. Where is the auto market headed from here? Will patient buyers be rewarded with better values in 2023? To find out, we're fortunate to welcome Charlie Chesbro, Senior Economist of Cox Automotive, to the program. Charlie, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thanks for having me. Uh, well, super happy to have you on here, Charlie. Um, I've, I've been waiting to get an automotive expert on the program and very glad that you've made yourself available for this. People have a lot of questions uh, about the car market, um, largely because prices got so nuts uh, following COVID. And folks are now wondering if uh, prices are going to stay that high or if there might be some relief for car buyers going forward. So a um, number of questions for you, but let's just start with a general one, which is what's your current assessment of the auto market right now? Boy, that's a big question, but I'd say right now we're cautiously optimistic. Uh, it's been a real challenge, these rising interest rates after a crazy year of supply chain issues with, with COVID. Uh, but at this point, we feel like the, the market's sort of already fallen quite a bit from what would be more normal levels. And we just don't see as much downside potential for the new vehicle market as well as the used market because we've already fallen quite a bit from sort of our 17 million plateau we were at pre-COVID. And a lot of the folks that would normally, if, as we head into this higher interest rate environment, the potential of a recession next year, a lot of the folks that would be hit by that, uh, you know, potential car buyers uh, that would be subject to you know, rising interest rates would just make it impossible for them to buy, have already left the new vehicle market. Uh, you know, that happened post-COVID in March of 2020. Uh, we saw the composition of the vehicle market really change and it became a much more affluent buyer marketplace. Uh, it was folks with larger incomes, the folks with questionable income, subprime type buyers were essentially pushed out of the new vehicle market. It just got too expensive for them and there was just too much uncertainty in the economy as well as possibly being hit uh, by the COVID itself and those job losses. Um, and so from then, as we see interest rates rising in today's market, um, it's really just sort of affecting the a wealthier vehicle buyer and, and they're probably more insulated from uh, the potential of uh, negative effects of rising interest rates. One of the really interesting nuggets that we're seeing in the data over recent months is that the percent of, of vehicle sales that are the cash buys, uh, you know, people that come in and slap down $50,000 for a new vehicle uh, is rising quite a bit, that the share of folks making cash purchases is going up. And it reveals one that we have a number of people out there that have $50,000 in the bank that could go out and actually do that. Uh, but also it, it's showing that the high interest rates that we have in the new vehicle market uh, are making it an economic 
it makes economic sense to get my money out of my savings account where I'm only getting two, 3% maybe uh, and buying a car as opposed to signing up for a seven, eight, 9% car loan. Uh, and so people are making that arbitrage that just using their cash to buy these vehicles uh, uh, is, is the way to go in this high interest rate environment. Clearly that cash is gonna end at some point. People don't have uh, unlimited savings accounts. But in terms of what's fueling the market right now, it's wealthier buyers are sort of eating up uh, or mitigating some of the higher costs that we're seeing as a result of, of higher interest rates. And we just kind of see that sort of the status quo going forward with a major headwind uh, being these higher interest rates, but with a tailwind of, of an increased supply. Uh, and that's going to be going on throughout 2023 as supplies get more and more back to normal. Okay, uh, interesting. It sort of sounds like echoes of the housing market, uh, to be honest, with uh, uh, you know more affluent buyers taking over and all cash offers and, and that type of thing. Um, all right, a couple of things. Uh, I, 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 I want to ask you, are there material differences between the new and the used car market? But real quick before we ask that, um, you talked about inventory levels beginning to get back to normal. Um, maybe we can talk for a moment about how out of whack they got uh, during COVID because, I mean, when we shut down the economy in general, but uh, as I understand it as, as a layman, so please correct any misunderstandings I have, is that um, you know the, the big thing to hit the car market was the shortage of chips, of microchips, and that you had a bunch of cars that were built but couldn't actually be delivered because they were waiting on the chips uh, to go in them. Um, and I guess I got a couple questions around that, but uh, is, there, is there a bit of a potential for a bullwhip effect here where uh, you, know, you had such a tightness of inventory that you might have so much inventory coming back on in the future. Let's just stay in the used car market here for a second that it begins to bring prices down even further. Well, in terms of supply to the used market, it's actually quite constrained. Uh, you know, the limited, the, the sales decline that we saw in the new vehicle market, you know, again, we were doing about 17 million new vehicle sales in 2019. Uh, that fell to about 15 million uh, in 2020 and, and similar amount uh, for the last couple of years. Uh, and a little bit, we're only gonna do about 13.7 million this year. All of that means that there's less used cars that are gonna be available from that, even just those three years. Uh, you know, we have millions of fewer vehicles. And within that, we have millions of fewer fleet vehicles which supply the used market. We have uh, millions of fewer lease vehicles. Uh, uh, leasing volumes are down substantially and leasing share of the market is down substantially. All of this is, uh, is this, the, uh, the funnels of used supply uh, that provide those CPO type vehicles, those gently used vehicles that consumers really like, they're going to be under very, very limited quantities here when we look forward out to 2023 and beyond. Uh, and so that is something we look at to say that even though used car prices are coming down, uh, clearly we've seen them down substantially at, at the used car auctions. And now we're starting to see uh, negative year over year growths uh, on the retail side as well. Um, they're still uh, a need for, for product out there. There's, it's hard to say that there's an oversupply of used vehicles. It's just a, some of the froth from the crazy year, as you said, that we've had post-COVID is finally coming off of some of these used car prices that were really just not sustainable. Uh, and so we do see that the used car market uh, is gonna be constrained this year because of the higher uh, interest rates, but we just don't see any kind of collapsed, uh, collapse in used vehicle sales because there is still tremendous demand out there. And for the folks that have 
that been pushed out of the new vehicle market because of high prices and affordability issues, they still need personal transportation. And so they've been pushed into the used market. So in many ways, the, the affluence of the used vehicle market has risen as well uh, so that they can afford a more expensive vehicle too. Okay, um, and this may be a misperception here, but, um, or I don't know, let's, let's see. So uh, in 2020 and 2021, did the, the manufacturers make fewer new cars or did they make the same amount of new cars, but just couldn't deliver them on time because of they didn't have chips? Right. So the uh, no, they made fewer. They made fewer. They did so make there fewer. Were okay. some, there were some vehicles that were uh, partially built. So every, everything built, but a few chips that have to be popped in here or there. You know, there were tens of thousands of these vehicles and, and they got some headlines. But the, the big story was literally that the production itself had had to, to shut down. And initially, because of COVID itself, we shut down the factories for a couple of weeks uh, in, you know, in March and April and May uh, of 2020 in the, in the initial days post-COVID. Uh, and it wasn't really until we got later into the year and into 2021 that the chip shortage really started to hit. Uh, and that's when uh, they really, it really slowed down the supply chain. But I would point out that it's not just chips. The industry has been hit with all kinds of supply issues. Uh, the, the Ukraine war, uh, they make quite a, bit, quite a few wire harnesses in, in, uh, in Ukraine. Those are used, uh, all of the wiring that kind of goes in the undercarriage of the vehicle. Um, that really impacted many European manufacturers. Uh, palladium, uh, which is used for many electronic components uh, as well as catalytic converters and uh, in chip uh, manufacturing, silicone chip manufacturing, that's mined out of uh, Ukraine. Uh, that was disrupted uh, during the Ukraine war. And of course, in the US itself, we, uh, I'm based in Detroit, we hear quite a bit uh, about labor shortages for the supply base even here, that they're having a difficult time uh, finding workers uh, and of course, the China uh, 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 COVID closures, you know, they've been shutting down factories, opening them up, shutting them down. Really, uh, for the last two years, it's, uh, it's been uh, a whack-a-mole with, with many of the factories there. All of that's been contributing to, to the supply chain issues that we've been dealing with in the industry. So chips get the headlines, but there's been lots of other components as well that have been uh, disrupted. And, and it's just now that we're starting to see that on the whole, uh, uh, the production as well as the supply itself on dealer lots across the country is definitely starting to improve. But I will say that's in the aggregate. Uh, some manufacturers are still incredibly lean. Uh, we look at many of the Asian brands like uh, Hyundai and uh, uh, Kia, uh, Honda, uh, as well as Toyota, still have very, very lean inventories out there. Uh, you know, their product availability on dealer lots is, uh, I, you probably have a hard time even finding product at many places versus many American brands, particularly pickup trucks, uh, are showing quite a bit of day supply, probably too much. And this is what we're gonna be looking for in 2023 is uh, they've been lean and mean for quite some time. Inventories have been lean, but they're now rebuilding. Do we get back to the old game of incentives and, and really discounting these vehicles to move the metal? Uh, or does the industry try to maintain some sort of pricing discipline uh, right now, what we're seeing is that the brands are in very, very different positions. And so how they address that question is going to be the, the, the thing to watch here in 2023. Okay, interesting on supply. Okay, so, you know, we saw a year ago headlines of, of these massive parking lots and like, you know, dis, uh, unused airport runways and, you know, racetracks where there were just 
thousands, as far as the eye could see, cars that were just awaiting chips or some of the other components that you were talking about. Um, and while that that maybe get, grabs the attention, um, you're saying it tells a false story. In other words, it's not excess inventory building up. Uh, we were producing less than we normally do. And it sounds like even some uh, producers right now are still a bit constrained, particularly the Asian ones that you're talking about here. So this this story is still one of of inventory shortage, although it sounds like that's beginning to equilibrate a little bit here. You're nodding as I'm saying all this. Yes. I, you know, and I wouldn't say it's not a false story. I mean, it did occur out there and, and uh, you know, many manufacturers were reporting, I think I heard at one point up to like 80 or 90,000 vehicles that were waiting for chips. But I think in terms of as an issue, that has pretty much been addressed that those vehicles are now gotten their chips. Uh, and it's really just a question of getting everything up and running and humming across the whole supply chain and, and all the different factories and whether they're going to get back to making the full portfolio. Because one thing that we saw during the uh, 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 as inventory shortage started to fall is that they were putting chips in the more expensive vehicles uh, and availability of many of the lower priced products or compact car, uh, compact SUV. Uh, probably had much tighter availability because they just weren't focused on producing as many of those. They, they stuck to the higher margin uh, products. Um, but we're probably in a market now today with these higher interest rates that the demand for those lower priced products is even greater than ever. Right. And, and uh, higher gas prices too. And, high, and of course, higher gas prices. Uh, but the industry's really not that interested in fulfilling that demand. I, I think that they're just uh, those those buyers are going to get pushed into the used market if if you're not willing and able to to shell out the fifty thousand for the new vehicle. Okay, and that's just because they're making so much better margin on these more expensive vehicles. The, these higher prices have really changed the game. I was just crunching some numbers the other day, and, and year to date sales were down about nine percent. Year to date, just back of the envelope transaction price times sales uh, revenue was up one percent. So these higher prices are really mitigating a lot of the volume losses. And so the industry is not necessarily in any rush to get back to a 17 million market uh, if they can be making uh, you know, equal sized revenue with millions fewer in, uh, in volume. In volume. Okay. Yeah. Um, and of course, their margins are higher there because they, margins they, are they're higher, making fewer uh, cars. They've got less costs. Yeah. You know, essentially the MSRP is the price now. And so uh, you know, that's always been the dream of the industry that they can get away from having to do substantial discounting. Uh, and I think that they're, as an industry, they certainly would like to keep that as the way pricing goes uh, from now forward. But as I said, that's gonna be the challenge is can they maintain that pricing discipline as inventories are rebuilding? Um, you know, there's a lot of internal pressure to keep manufacturing going and keep sales as high as they can be and grab as much market share as possible. Uh, but all of that will require uh, you know, discounting these vehicles, doing more incentives, more interest rate subsidies. And the industry would probably prefer not to do that. But that's the game of chicken we're going to be seeing here going forward. Okay, then let me let me look out at it 2023. And I, I see sort of a triple threat. And again, I'm no auto analyst. <clears throat> I see high gas prices um, or elevated gas prices um, relative to historical averages. Um, I see substantially higher interest rates right, on financing a car. And I see potential um, for recession, right? Um, and so all of that sort of seems to intimate that uh, it would impact demand 
um, you know, all three of those things to a certain extent, because they all impact affordability of the car. And, and we've had these higher, uh, you know, price buyers who come in with, with their cash. But as you, you said, that's not going to last forever, right? Um, how much of a concern is that to you as an analyst uh, for demand going forward in the next year? Oh, it's it's absolutely a concern. I mean, certainly that rising interest rates are going to be raised another half a point uh, tomorrow. I think as when the when they're going to make the announcement. Uh, clearly, that's going to be a major headwind towards those monthly payments. Uh, uh, so yeah, we. But as I said, it's, it's the downside risk is there. But it, but normally, like when we entered into the two thousand eight two thousand nine recession, uh, we were at a 16, 17 million market, and we fell off of a cliff and fell down to the you know, 10.4 million within two years, a huge decline. But that was because we still had all these subprime lower income folks out there. You know, it was 30% of sales were people with subprime credit scores. Uh, Today, it's half of that in the market. So uh, if we do have a recession, we've already lost a huge portion of those buyers that we would lose from a recession. And that was what I was trying to say initially. But clearly, there are downside risks. Where we do see the upside potential is the fact that many of these Asian brands are still under extremely tight inventories. If they can get their supply situations worked out that they can improve their supplies, that's gonna be many of the low cost products from those manufacturers because they make the more affordable stuff uh, that is gonna be coming to market and will be of interest to consumers and will be more affordable. Uh, And the other thing is, is we expect more fleet activity to happen uh, this year. So it's not quite retail activity, but it does go to the bottom line of, of new sales. Uh, And fleet activity has been quite muted the last couple of years. One thing that we've seen so far is that the interest in travel remains very, very high. Uh, The rental car companies were not able to get product uh, immediately post-COVID, and they started buying in the used car market. Uh, But now the manufacturers can get back to supplying rental vehicles. Uh, uh, And so I think we're going to see much more fleet activity uh, in 2023 as well. And the other lever that the industry can pull, as as I mentioned before, is leasing. Uh, they've pulled back substantially on leasing. Uh, prior uh, to COVID in 2019, uh, leasing was about 30% of all retail activity. Uh, and so it was a, a way to provide a low cost option for folks who want a new vehicle. They want all the bells and whistles, the new technology, but they just don't want to make that quite make that financial commitment or maybe have the financial resources. But that's fallen dramatically. I think the most recent data point we have from October is leasing fell to about just 16% of retail activity. Okay. And again, uh, and so, is that because of supply? Well, it's a it's a number of things. Uh, certainly, supply is part of it. The deals just aren't that great. The industry, you know, the manufacturers aren't pushing leasing that much. That if you know, given us a sale or a, a lease, I'd much rather sell to you than lease to you. Okay. Uh, and so uh, they really haven't been pushing it. But um, and of course, we we saw this huge run up in used vehicle values last year. Many of the folks that normally lease that would be back in the market uh, this year after leasing back in 2018 or 2019, they found that their vehicles were in the money by, by thousands of dollars. Right. So they exercised that option to purchase that vehicle as opposed to leasing again. So essentially removing themselves from the repeat leasing part of the market. Right. So and it's been a combination of factors. Yeah. yeah. It's, so it's been a combination of factors of why leasing is left is less this year. But I do think there is an opportunity for the industry to, to turn on that spigot again if they wanted to get sales going. And, and as I said, that's kind of what we're expecting for the balance uh, for this year is it's essentially a flat market with the potential that if the industry gets really aggressive on discounting sort of back to pre-COVID type levels, they could really push hundreds of thousands of additional sales 
uh, that onto the market that we might not have had otherwise. Uh, and so that's why we're just, we kind of see the market as essentially the same next year, but just a little bit better. Uh, um, but clearly the, the headwinds remain. Okay, so you you sort of expect the, the current buying uh, profile in the new, new car market to, to remain the same in general, where it's these higher ticket buyers that are coming in. Um, hopefully, uh, and, and I presume with the, with the Asian manufacturers, Toyota and Honda, let's say the real biggies, um, they're, they're, they're trying to catch up. And, and is it still supply chain issues that is their limiting factor right now? Like, are they just scrambling to get the components? Well, it, I think there's certainly supply chain issues going on as well as internal strategies. I mean, it may be that some of these firms are deciding to stay lean and mean. They want to keep uh, day supply at a minimum. And one of the things that we've seen changing in the marketplace is the amount of ordering that is going on. Uh, I'm based here in the Detroit market, and we see ads all the time uh, from, from many of the OEMs, you know, come in today and order your vehicle and get an extra $1,000 off. Um, you know, they're trying to train consumers to get used to the idea of, of ordering your vehicle as opposed to coming in on a Saturday and going home that afternoon with a vehicle. Right. That's how the rest of the world buys vehicles. That's how they do it in Europe. That's how they do it in Asia. The, the idea of going home with a vehicle today because I went and kicked some tires is a very American type process for, for car buying. It's changed quite a bit in the post-COVID market. There's been much more ordering because of these lean inventories for consumers that want exactly what they want. They've been forced to come in and just order with their dealer and then wait patiently weeks or months in most cases for that product to come in. Um, all of that's allowed for this price strengthening that I think the industry is going to want to maintain for as long as possible, because really this would be the, 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 the preferred method of how uh, uh, the, the sales process would go, where they could uh, have much more control over the products that are going to the marketplace as opposed to just stuffing dealer lots and, and then providing thousands of dollars of discounts on, on all the white uh, SUVs that aren't selling out there. So um, uh, it's one of those changes, again, that, you know, can they maintain this pricing discipline? There's been so much hard work and, and blood, sweat and tears to get to this point uh, during this whole couple of years post-COVID. Can they maintain the, the, uh, the, the, the silver lining that was in this dark cloud? That's going to be the, the question. Okay. And that, that's really interesting. I'm curious, do you, do you think that this shift in new car buying to basically pre-ordering it uh, will be a permanent one for the industry? I think for many manufacturers, they're going to try and steer more and more. And I, and I wouldn't be surprised if we don't start seeing incentives uh, geared that way in that it rewards patients. Right. If you need to come in today and go home with a vehicle, you pay full price. You pay more. If you can yeah. come in and order and wait, we'll give you a discount. Uh, you know, totally changing the whole incentives game right, right on its head. Um, and But it seems to me that that's going to be one of the, again, it's going to be not all manufacturers are in the same boat. And that's right. where... Uh, as I said, the Asian manufacturers are going to be in a much better situation to try and force consumers to do that, that if you want our product, you got to come in and order and wait your turn versus what we can already see for many of the American manufacturers, particularly with pickup trucks, that day supply number is really starting to tick up, which is suggesting there's too many of those uh, vehicles out there, uh, which would suggest, you know, discounting is, is soon to come. Uh, you know, it's going to be a game of, of patience and a game of chicken that's to uh, how long they can hold on to to full price? Okay, but the uh, the, the positive um, factors here are you're not seeing weakening yet in, in in the affluent buyer coming in. You know, TBD. How long they're going to be able to 
pay at this rate, but so far so good. Um, the manufacturers that are constrained uh, will hopefully get their inventories back up enough to meet demand. Uh, and then the possible fleet return of fleet buying, right? Um, and those all make sense to me. I, I, I totally get that. Um, <clears throat> all right. So on the um, on the uh, on the used car market, um, it sounds like it is still going to be constrained uh, of, of inventory for a while, just because there hasn't been as much moving from the new to used in the past couple of years, as you you described. Are there any other factors about the used car market, either positive or negative, we haven't talked about yet? Well, I, I think it is. It does seem likely that prices are going to continue to come down here for uh, maybe throughout 2023. They're going to start drifting down, at least in the aggregate, uh, because there was so much such an, uh, an increase uh, over the last two years. It was really not sustainable. It was just not a normal uh, rise in the, in the marketplace. Right. And, so and I clear, think in the intro, I mentioned that the, the, the price index basically doubled. Is that is that really accurate? Uh, it's not quite not in our own. It went up about 50 percent uh, in our own measure um, okay. that we've got. Uh, but but clearly it's a huge move in a very, very short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, you know, there was crazy things of seeing, you know, three year old vehicles appreciating in value and, and a couple of oddballs that were selling more than their new counterpart. I mean, just some some really odd stuff out there. But the dust is all starting to settle. And the one thing we can see is that pricing patterns appear to be moving back towards normal, that we're starting to see more normal depreciation patterns. Uh, we are starting to see prices come back down. Um, and so I, I do think that we're just starting to see some of the froth come out of these prices. But one of the things I think it's important to point out is we just don't see any collapse in the market. We've seen a huge move uh, in interest rates over the last six months. You would think that if it was going to decimate automotive sales, it would have done so by now, or we would we'd be able to see all kinds of kinks in our charts showing uh, the lines making a, a big shift downward. It's just not happening. We're just not seeing it. Uh, and what it suggests is that on the new side, there's still enough buyers out there uh, and it, the increasing supply is getting the right product to the right market, to the right buyer. All of that is, is keeping vehicle sales relatively stable. And in the used market, we're seeing prices starting to come down allowing essentially uh, a consumer who would probably pull back from the marketplace because of these high rates to, to make that purchase, that the prices is, are coming down, essentially clearing the market. We're seeing economics uh, in action of supply and demand uh, uh, clearing in the marketplace today. Um, we're already seeing that supply levels in the used market have pulled back. I think dealers are already kind of pulling back on their amount of inventory they have in the used market. They're preparing for sort of a quiet winter uh, generally, sales really don't get going again until we get to the uh, the spring selling season when all the tax returns go out from the from the government. Uh, that's what kind of really junates uh, the used vehicle market. Uh, and so, I think dealers are going to find themselves in a, a leaner position coming into the spring. Uh, and again, with the with the limitations that we have in the new market and the high prices, we have a whole new slew of customer buyers in the used market today than we didn't have uh, prior to COVID. Again, more affluent. Uh, uh, looking for uh, these expensive products because they just can't quite afford the new side, that's going to provide a lot of support for used vehicle prices and used vehicle demand. So we see the used market is uh, being down a little bit this year as opposed to the new market being up a little bit. But again, we don't see any substantial collapse uh, happening in the market. Okay. Um, there's a chart uh, that I'll try to put up here um, of... Uh, trying to estimate how much of the extraordinary stimulus 
that was delivered to households uh, during the, the pandemic response um, was is still in the system. Um, I sort of refer to this as the pig and the python, you know, measurement. Um, and it looks like there's still about a trillion dollars sloshing around in consumer, you know, checking and savings accounts. Um, and and from this chart, uh, it, it suggests that 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 may be sort of finally exhausted by the end of next year. Um, I imagine a big factor in you know car prices and particularly in the used market was that people got money that they could then spend to get a car or make a down payment on a car. Um, how material a factor, if indeed that, that that is true, that that the the pig is finally through the python by around June or July, what kind of impact do you expect that to have? I guess right now maybe not so much because it sounds like you're not really ringing a warning bell. Well, as I said, you know, cash purchases are as a share of the market are up, and clearly the number you're talking about would go right to that in terms of you know cash on hand to make a a purchase. Uh, that's going to get pulled, uh, drawn down. I, I think certainly in the second half of the year, we're probably going to see a consumer uh, a little in a little bit tougher situation. Uh, yeah, we're like I said, we're concerned about that, but um, there's still a need for personal transportation out there. And uh, even though we've seen delinquencies rise uh, for many auto loans, uh, historically we know that car buyers in general pay their auto loan. Uh, when we looked at, and during the Great Recession, you look at uh, first mortgages and those default rates, you look at credit cards uh, and those default rates, and you look at car loans and those default rates, car loans uh, were just a fraction of the default rates that, that, that credit cards and first mortgages had. And what we've learned from the Great Recession is even when it all hits the fan, people still need that personal transportation. They want that vehicle and they made those car payments. We did not see uh, the same type of default rates in the auto loan market. And I think that that suggests that Wall Street is still going to want to lend to the automotive market for those reasons, that uh, if nothing else, it's a secured asset where I can just go uh, re repo that vehicle and I've got my, I've got my loan back, essentially. Uh, and I think in this environment, uh, when, when things are difficult out there, the Wall Street's going to look to be lending to the vehicle market. Uh, it was successful before, as I said. And uh, when we look today, uh, the composition of the new vehicle market is really quite strong. You know, as I said, the share of the market that's subprime is down substantially. The incomes of folks who are buying is up substantially. Uh, these are your best credit quality folks out there that are in the new vehicle market. And in turn, uh, we know that the used vehicle market has also seen a better credit quality as well. So in terms of the lending side, I, I don't see lending to the, to the industry being the difficulty. I think the challenge is going to be is can consumers afford these monthly payments? And that's going to be the uh, the challenge for, for buyers going forward is do they have the, the right income to be able to afford the new car payments? And, and the one thing I would just point out too is when we look at uh, prices coming down, you know, the manufacturers, when it at least comes to the new products, they really don't have, their hands are tied quite a bit because their own costs have gone up substantially. Steel costs are up, rubber costs are up substantially, labor, uh, labor costs are up. Uh, you know, it's not like all of a sudden they're making 10% more money. Uh, the, the cost of manufacturing these vehicles has gone up double digit as well. And so uh, that's now starting to come back to earth, just like all the other uh, inflation measures appear to be coming back down. Uh, but that's something that the industry has had to force upon consumers. It's not like they can uh, just eat those additional costs. And of course, the move towards electric vehicles, electric vehicles in general are a more expensive product. Right. And that's sort of raising the average. And so uh, you know, Tesla going from 1% market share to 4% market share, uh, you know, during this post-COVID market, 
and their high high price Model Three and Model Ys is certainly also contributing to a, to a rising uh, national average number for vehicle prices. And that shift towards electric vehicles isn't going away uh, anytime soon. So I think that the upward trend is likely to continue. Okay, um, on the uh, on the loan side of things, <clears throat> um, so I mentioned in the intro, and you mentioned it briefly there that um, default rates are in increasing, um, but it doesn't sound like that's a, a too major concern of yours uh, right now. Um, let me know if that's not a true statement. Um, also, th th there's a perception, and maybe it's an incorrect one, which is that um, kind of like during the, the housing boom of, you know, 06, 07, you know, they were making ninja loans and, and, and really just giving loans to anybody who could fog a mirror. And there, there sort of was a, a narrative that that was going on in the auto market um, because prices were hot and everybody was desperate to get into a car and people were getting checks in the mail and using those as their first down payment. Um, so I guess just comment on any of that. Uh, there are some people that are concerned that, hey, you know, auto loans could be this generation's subprime. I think you just gave some rationale why you maybe don't think that's the case, but, but uh, you know, is there any reason to be concerned about, about the quality of loans that were made in this space? Well, it's always good to be concerned, I guess. Uh, uh, you know, when you look at, at the, the default rates, clearly that's, that's something to be worried about. Uh, you know, it's kind of the canary in the coal mine when people can't start making their monthly payments uh, you know, what other things can't they pay on and how does that ripple through the economy as, uh, as maybe some of the packaged bank loans become under threat if it becomes a much bigger problem. Um, but at this point, as I said, because uh, even though subprime is starting to default more, it's a much smaller portion of the market. It's just not the, the concern that it might have been otherwise. And as I said, that we've seen already seen such a major correction in the new vehicle market over the last two years. Um, from here, it just doesn't seem like there's much more downside risk, at least when it comes to sales. Now, when it comes to the loans themselves, I have heard a little bit about that, but I haven't heard uh, any concerns that this is a big issue that could potentially drag down, uh, uh, you know, have a ripple effect and, and affect more uh, uh, lenders out there of defaulting on these loans of, of I don't want to call them liar loans, but questionable credit loans that were made. But, you know, I think that that happens all the time. Uh, you know, that, that's always going on out there. And anytime you have a recession, that's when the, the water's gone out, uh, the tide's gone out, and we see who's been swimming naked. Uh, you know, and I think that's just something we're going to see revealed this time around, too, as to who got a little too uh, loosey-goosey on the credit out there with some of their, their borrowers. All right. And, and I imagine the composition of, of the loan quality is different between the new and the used market. And you basically said the new market is, is you know, a lot more affluent buyers. Could this be a bigger problem in the used market? I think that's probably where you would see it. I and I think one of the major concerns out there that, uh, is not just our consumers, did they borrow money uh, on vehicles that maybe they shouldn't, shouldn't have bought, uh, but dealers themselves, and did they buy inventory at, at a high price uh, and that maybe they overbought and are now going to get stuck uh, you know, with, with losing margins here on some of their products. Uh, you know, that's certainly one of the concerns out there as well. And how vulnerable are dealers that have a whole bunch of that type of product out there? Um, so there's certainly with, with the interest rate changing things so quickly and, and, uh, and, and the cost of these monthly payments changing so quickly, a lot of consumers and dealers are going to get caught uh, uh, not ready for the change that's coming. Uh, but in terms of having a bigger effect on the economy or a, a much greater effect on auto loans, I haven't seen that just yet. 
Okay. And uh, last question on this topic. Uh, I've, I've heard uh, through interviews on the internet with guys in the used market, um, uh, here's the anecdote, um, that uh, in, in market down cycles, uh, the repo business really you know, does better, right? And these guys, uh, the repo guys will, will loan these big parking lots um, where they're going to store the, the cars that they repossess. And the anecdote from this industry insider was that those guys are now actually buying the parking lots because they expect they're seeing and expect such a, a bigger surge in the market. I'm not going to ask you to justify whether that's true or not. It's anecdotal. Um, but have you heard anything like that or, or it's, that that's not on your radar yet? Uh, yeah, I can't say I've heard anything about that, but I will say, you know, prices are still pretty elevated that it may be many of those repossessed vehicles are still in the money. So it's not necessarily uh, a losing proposition to get that that vehicle back uh, to the lender. Um, so, uh, again, you know, these repossessions normally in normal times would be like, oh, my gosh, repossessions are going through the roof. Uh, it may also be a, a a windfall for some of these vehicles, uh, if you know, depending on what the product is and how much its price has moved, uh, some of these vehicles may may not be in such a bad financial shape. But in terms of the uh, the situation of, of of somebody trying to see a business opportunity here of all the repos that are yet to come, uh, I haven't heard about that just yet. Okay, good. Um, I guess one other quick repo question because I'm just curious. Um, I, I've also heard that uh, the repo game is is changing in the sense it's getting easier because. Car dealers, when they're sending a car out, you know, that has a loan on it, they have, you know, newer technologies now that not only, you know, can tell the the dealer where the car is, but they can actually like turn Shut the car off, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. make it un un inoperable. Yeah, I, you know, I've heard about that, you know, OnStar from GM, they certainly had that capability for quite some time. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, the more technology we've got out there, it's going to be more and more difficult to hide from... Uh, uh, from the repossessor. And so, yeah, I think that technology is uh, going to be uh, the lender's friend here. Okay, great. Well, Charlie, look, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. I'm, I'm going to end with just a practical question for folks, which is, um, uh, you know, uh, for, for, for someone who is looking to buy a car right now um, is, you know, here, here's what I sort of hear you saying, which is the question I was going to ask is, is patients going to reward uh, the, the car buyer here. And from what I've heard you say, I would take away probably not in the new market, right? The new market's not going to really change all that much in the next year or so, as far as we can tell, um, maybe possibly in the, uh, in the used market, but it's it, you, right now you're not seeing like a, Oh yeah, definitely wait for the second half of 2023. Things are going to be much cheaper than I don't hear you saying that. It's just hard to see that just yet. It's not showing up in the data to suggest that that's going to be the case. But I will say, I think uh, if, if you can be selective on or, or uh, open to all kinds of different products uh, in the new vehicle market, I think you will find some significant discounting starting to happen here in 2023 on very certain products that are just not selling out there or uh, as manufacturers are trying to gain a foothold uh, in new, new vehicle segments. Um, so I do think if you're a savvy con a consumer and you keep your eye out, you can be aware of, of certain deals in the market. But as a general blanket case, uh, the vehicle market's gonna be more of the same in 2023, uh, which is high prices and, and expensive vehicles. And, and if you're looking for a, a discount new vehicle option, 
Uh, you're just not going to find many of them in the new market. But in the used market, I do think prices are going to continue to fall. Uh, again, no collapse. It's not like you're going to see a super savings here. Uh, but uh, I think much of the uh, the froth is coming off of these prices that you probably can negotiate a better deal with that dealer than you could have just six months ago. All right. Well, Charlie, look, this has been super helpful. Thank you so much for taking the time to one come on the program and be answer all my you know sort of newbie questions about this space um, and, and demystify this all for us. It's been really useful, and uh, I hope we can have you back on the program again in the future, you know, maybe Q2 of next year or whatnot, just to give us an update on, on where things are headed in the data that you're looking at. Sure. Be happy to do it. Great. Well, look, for, for people that would like to follow you and your commentary, Charlie, where, where can they go? Uh, well, we have the Cox Automotive Newsroom would be the place to go. Uh, we post all kinds of information on what's going on with the vehicle market, as well as much of our data. All right. Um, well, I'll put that up on the, the screen uh, with an overlay so folks know exactly what to Google when they're looking for that. Uh, it's been super useful, Charlie. Thank you so much. Um, folks, if, if you've enjoyed having Charlie on the program, would like to see him come back and have other great industry experts like him as well, please help us by supporting this program by hitting the like button then clicking on the red subscribe button below as well as that little bell icon right next to it. Charlie, thank you so much. Really look forward to talking to you again in the new year. Okay, thank you. All right, everybody else, thanks so much for watching.